Welcome, and thank you for joining with us today for the teaching and preaching ministry from Central Baptist Church in Kannapolis, North Carolina. As associate pastor, Barry Murray shares from the Bible how to live in a fallen world. The goal of Central Baptist Church is to change the world by teaching the Word of God. Come, let's listen in. We're going to be in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 19 this evening, 2 Samuel chapter 19. And uh, I don't know, uh, this old getting older stuff, uh, fellas, uh, you're with me, things change, don't they, as you get older, and I didn't used to be quite so sentimental about things, didn't used to be quite so uh, really trying to take in what's going on, but I don't know if that's me because my body's realizing, hey, you ain't got long to live, suck, you need a guy, you need to wake up, you know what I mean? And, uh, but five years ago, this Sunday, was the first time I stood behind this pulpit and I preached for Pastor Dean while he was in Israel. And uh, it was five years ago, this Sunday, it was in the morning, and uh, he even gave a big, big introduction for me and everything. I was so impressed, but now look what I get. And uh, anyhow, but uh, <laughs> see what happens when you stick around long enough. But, but uh, and I just thank the Lord uh, over and over and over again that uh, he directed uh, Andrew and I Central Baptist Church direction. And uh, I really mean that because, you know, there's a lot of churches around that, that God could have opened doors for us, I guess, and even opened doors for us even now. But uh, I'm so glad he opened up here, and while it's not perfect, it's the best I've, best I've been in for a long time, amen? And uh, uh, how many of you like getting old? <clears throat> you know you're getting old when you barely do anything all day, but you still need to take a nap to barely do anything all day. <laughs> Anybody in that, that position right now? And... Uh, do you know what is a, a prize older people can win for aging? A trophy. Or what do they call that? Atrophy? I asked my wife. The, uh, when you're getting older. And, atrophy. Yes, sorry about that. I had to ask her real quick. My mind's forgetting things. Uh, what's the best part of getting of old age? Doesn't last very long. And... Uh, these gray hairs, uh, these are not gray hairs. These are great wisdom of highlights in my hair that I've had for a number of years. I keep them short so you can't see them. One more thing here, well, two more things here. One benefit of getting old, of old age is your secrets are always safe with your friends because they can't remember them. <laughs> and then uh, age is an issue of mind over matter. If you don't mind getting older, it doesn't really matter. And anyhow, just some things about getting old. I want to uh, speak on something this evening. I, I wrestled with this this week, uh, uh, trying, to, uh, trying to help all of us and benefit all of us. But uh, I want to take a story in Scripture that uh, taught me something, and I want to use it tonight to help teach all of us something about this life we live in. And uh, as you get older, some things do change. And to be honest about it, things should change as we get older. So if you wouldn't mind standing with me this evening, we're going to start reading in verse number 31. Just a story here from Scripture. You may not know it. May, may, you may know it. may not. But 2 Samuel chapter 19, verse 31. <clears throat> and Barzillai, verse 31. And Barzillai the Gileite. 
came down from Roglam and went over Jordan with the king to conduct him over Jordan. That word conduct there means to manage or to help him get over the Jordan River there. Now, Barzillai was, a, Barzillai was a very aged man, even fourscore years old. So how old is he? Very good. All right. And he hath provided the king's sustenance while he lay in Menahem, for he was a very great man. Remember, Barzillai was the man that came out and gave King David when he was on the run from his son Absalom. He came out and gave him some sustenance, they call it, so he could survive along the way. That's who this man is. And in verse number 33, And the king said unto Barzillai, Come thou over with me, and I will feed thee with me in Jerusalem. And Barzillai said unto the king, and here's the phrase for tonight, How long have I to live? How long have I to live? That I should go up with the king unto Jerusalem, for I am fourscore, uh, I am this day fourscore years old, and can I discern between good and evil? Can thy servant taste what I eat or what I drink? Can I hear any more the voice of singing men and singing women? Wherefore, then should thy servant be yet a burden unto my lord the king? And the servant will go a little, uh, a little way over Jordan with the king. And why should the king recompense at me with such reward? Let thy servant, I pray thee, turn back again, that I may die in my own city, be buried by my grave of my father or of my mother, and of my mother. But behold, thy servant Shunem, let him go over with the, my lord the king, and do to him what seemeth good unto thee. Basically, he's saying, listen, I can't go with you. I'm old. I really can't go through this trip. But take Chittim with you, if you would. Uh, he's younger. He'll be able to help you out. And verse 38, and the king answered, Chittim shall go over with me, and I will do to him that, thou, that which shall seem good unto thee. And whatsoever thou shalt require of me, that will I do it for thee. And all the people went over Jordan. And when the king was come over, the king kissed Barzillai, blessed him, and he returned unto his own place. Thank you, Lord, so much for a chance to look into the word of God this evening. And Lord, I ask you, please, that, Lord, as my prayer always is, <clears throat> I just want to help be an encouragement, be a blessing, uplift the believers, strengthen those who are weak tonight. And may we just keep hanging in there and going forward for the cause of Christ until that day. I ask you to give us all listening ears and a listening heart tonight. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. There in verse 34 is kind of the phrase for this evening. And I'm going to tell you the story. The story is kind of, well, I'll get to that in a second. I won't jump ahead of myself. But he says, how long have I to live that I shall go up with the king? And the phrase, how long shall I have to live, has been a thought going over and over in my mind. I understand this is the first year. I didn't really think about the... Uh, the title and the, the sermon till yesterday I was going through it. I think, wow, well, this is the first year, isn't it? And this will kind of fit in with a, kind of a New Year's type of a, a message, I guess, for all of us. But I, with me, I've been thinking, uh, how long have I yet to live? I, I still feel young. I know I'm lying to myself, but I still feel young. And I still feel that God has something for me to do. Even though I'm not as old as Monty, but... Uh, <laughs> Right? If I am. Okay, all right. And, and anyhow, but I uh, appreciate that song. I really do. But, but, I, but I had this thought from this story. If I had my life to live over again, if I had my life to live over again, what would I do? What would I change? 
or what would I change now in my life? Because I have opportunity today to change things in my life right now, today. Barzillai I said to David, I have not many more years left. I'm 80 years old. Uh, I'm uh, 60 plus 10 plus 10. I know my days are numbered. Uh, I, I know I'm just time for me to stay home. I can barely get around. I appreciate your generous offer to me. I appreciate you allowing me possibly to live in, in the palace with you. But I've reached an age where things like that just don't tempt me anymore. Can thy servant taste what I eat or what I drink? Can I really enjoy the benefits that there would be in the palace with you. So I think maybe someone else should fill in for me. I don't want to be the one to slow down the group, and I don't want to be the one to slow down the king from his enjoyment. So Barzillai helped David because he knew uh, David was God's man, but now he realizes his position and his age in life, and he realizes that he can only do so much, so he has confidence in the king, but he wants to help the king, so he gives him a younger man to help him. And you know it's too bad that David didn't listen to a man like Barzillai. I wonder this evening, I think often about David in Scripture, and I look up to David, and I respect him in Scripture, and I'm so glad God has put him in there and the story he's given us. But what would have happened in David's life if he would have forgiven Absalom like a prodigal son? Do you ever think about that? When Absalom killed his brother and, and David found out, of course, he didn't want him to be killed. He didn't want him to be harmed necessarily. But I wonder if David would have welcomed Absalom back to the house with a, with a king's robe and a king's ring and a king's pair of shoes, if you would, or sandals, how that may have changed his life because from that point on, David's life was pretty tragic as he even ran from his own son. I wonder if he put his arms around him and placed the robe upon him and killed the fatted calf. I wonder if David would have spared himself from the awful rebellion that took place. But how does this all apply to me? And as I mentioned this morning in my Sunday school class, here's, here's my philosophy about preaching and teaching the Word of God. Uh, I'm not some deep uh, bullfrog theologian. In fact, I kind of despise those type of people, to be honest about it. Sit around croaking while you do nothing. And I just, not despise them, but it's just not my thing. Now, I'm pretty sure I get pretty deep with a lot of you about a lot of things in Scripture. Pretty sure I'm pretty confident about a lot of things, and that's not boasting or bragging here. But if I can't help you in my teaching and in my preaching, I feel like I've kind of wasted that half hour, that 45 minutes, or whatever it may be. So I've always tried my whole ministry, tried to be very practical and helpful in, in my times to give the word of God out because I believe this Bible is a pattern for me to follow my life after. And I believe this story here of this old man applies to me some way, somehow. And what it applied to me was this thought that I've already said, if I could live my life over again, what would I change? What would I change? Or what can I change today? And I got you six things here, a very simple outline. Uh, Haley would be very disappointed in me tonight because the outline's simple. And, it, and it's actually alliterated. And you ought to give me kudos for that. That's normally not my thing. But uh, let me give you to them quickly tonight, and we'll get out of here. Six things. What, if I had my life to live over again, what would I change? Number one, I would change concerning my living. 
I would change concerning my living. Galatians uh, 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I would change, if I could over again, the way I've lived my life following the Lord. I would pray more that God would teach me how to live more for him and not for myself. Now, that might sound kind of crazy to some folks, but, but uh, if you've been brought up in church and, and you know, church has been a part of your life most of your life and you've been in a good place 10, 20 years or whatever it may be, this may seem strange to you, but there are people who have no idea how to live for God and they've been in church their whole life. They do it because that's the thing to do on Sunday. That's the thing to do on Wednesday. It's a thing to do whenever something special may be going on. But, but many of us have had examples. My mother was an example. I've had an old preacher back in the uh, hills there, Pennsylvania. Uh, he was an example to me. I remember him thundering out preaching as a, a young little boy at a Nazarene church. I remember that very well. And I understand, I saw people my whole life. My, my uncle, very godly man, still alive, pastor of the same church, 38 years. They're examples to me and how I should live. But that didn't actually teach me how I should live. I would change maybe concerning the way I've been living my life. Well, you say, preacher, everybody knows how to live for God. Let me say it to you tonight. Living for God is not really the clothes you wear. It's not really the house you live in. It's not really the car you drive. It's not really necessarily what you may give uh, uh, monetarily to the church or to a ministry. It's not necessarily all the way you look, even though I believe this. If Jesus gets a hold of the inside, he'll change the outside. Amen. But that's his job. But I'm talking this evening about living our life uh, uh, as we interact with the world. And something we all know is this. There are people who like to talk about, I want to live a crucified life. Remember what Paul said about the crucified life? I think I should have quoted that. So, oh, yeah, I'm crucified with Christ, he says there in verse number 20. And, uh, and yet, think about this. Does Paul ever tell us anywhere in Scripture that we are to be crucified with Christ? Or to live as Christ was crucified? We're not to seek him, we're not seek to be crucified with him. We have already been crucified with him the day we accept him as our savior. We are to live by faith. And faith is what? Faith is in, as we in the verse says, in the Son of God. So my life should be is crucified with Christ, but I am to live. You can't live if you're crucified. Two and two is still four in my history, in my math, right? And the death of Christ upon the cross was not paying only the penalty for our sins. It was substitutionary for all of us. Yes, he was the only sacrifice for our sin, not for me. And Paul says, now you're, because of the law issue, we were guilty and we were condemned. But now what Christ did, I can live crucified with Christ because he was crucified for me. When did that take place? It took place on the cross. Paul never said he was crucified. But he said, since Christ was crucified, nevertheless, now I live. 
because he was crucified. Uh, the fact of the matter is, you can't really live a crucified life because you'd be dead. Here's a little funny for you. Haley, get this down. Got it? It's a little joke there we have. Sorry about that. You can commit suicide in many different ways. You can hang yourself. You can shoot yourself. You can take poison. You can jump off a high building. You can jump out in front of a truck. And there are many ways you could kill yourself. Well, you can no more get one nail in your hand to crucify yourself. Who's going to put the other nail in? Your other hand or in your feet. We must understand what Paul is talking about here. He's saying, I am crucified with Christ. Paul was saying, I'm crucified with Christ. When Christ died, Christ was that substitutionary death for me on the cross. So now I am to live, not to die. So I'm saying, here's what I'm saying spiritually tonight. I want to change the way I live, realizing that Christ paid it all for me and I should live for him. Concerning my living, because I was crucified, because now he was crucified, so now I live. Paul was saying, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. And we see how this is falling out. So I would change, I would change things in my life, realizing that I put a lot of burden on myself. I didn't have to, because Jesus Christ already took care of that for me. How do we live? Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. He died for me that I might live and someday live with him up yonder. And the life, Paul says, which I now live uh, in this flesh is by faith and by faith of the Son of God. God gave me the faith to live the life God would have me to live. It's a faith life. And I've learned over the years to live by faith. Living by faith in Jesus above. Trusting, confiding in his great love. And I've learned, and I should have wished I'd learned it years earlier, to live by faith, I wouldn't have worried very much. As was taught this, this morning. So we got to think about, what would you change? Would you change the way you're living your life? I'm going to continue to preach this, and I sure appreciate the song Monty sang tonight. It goes along with this little point I want to make here. But let me tell you, when you ever get a dose of true salvation, your life changes. And it is real. And I'm concerned about those who walk around saying they got it, but their life isn't any different. It concerns me. It bothers me. But I got to realize I can't do much about it, but pray for them. Maybe, maybe I try to encourage them in the Lord. But something changes when you got saved. Something changes. I know with all my heart, the Spirit of God lives inside of me. I yield myself to Him daily. I want Him to change my life, and I would change that. Listen, I'm concerning my living. I would change. And listen, I don't mean you got to get up and run around the floor. I don't mean you got to shout and yell, Jesus. I don't, I'm not talking about that. But when man gives a testimony like Monty did tonight, did your heart burn? Thinking about how God saved that man, that preacher on the side of the road, and used him to build churches. Did your heart burn inside? That's when you know you got Jesus, amen? Because it's real inside of you. It's there. So I would change concerning my living. Number two is this. I would change uh, or consider uh, my looking. Not the way I look. I can't change how I look at all. 
Ugly goes to the bone. There's only so much you can do about that. You could paint the barn, but it's still the barn, amen? And you can dress the barn up. I mean, you can put pig on, a lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig, all right? So I'm not talking about that. But John, 2 John says, verse 8, look to yourselves. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. What I meant by this, I would look to Jesus Christ a lot more in my life than I have. Did I look in my life toward Jesus more than toward myself? At times, we're more like Pharisees. And uh, uh, we're times where uh, I like the Pharisees, and sometimes we, we feel like, oh, we're just, uh, uh, woe is me, and we have all these issues. But the fact of the matter is, we're all guilty of sinning. And we're all guilty of falling short of the glory of God. And we're all guilty of this. We've got to realize that. But at the same time, as a believer, as a person living in Christ, I need to let my life look more like Jesus Christ. I, I read the, reading this book last night, and I shared this with my class this morning, this thought. And uh, I've been thinking about it all day. And ever since I read it last night, it's a wonder I still remember it. I should have wrote it down. But uh, this man was talking about people who, who uh, uh, say that they would go to church except for hypocrites. You ever heard that before? Okay, let, let me fill you in on something. I'm looking at a room full of hypocrites. Okay, first of all, and I know it's not you, it's the person beside you, but, but we gotta, we're full of them. But he said this, why would you allow a hypocrite to stand between you and God? And he wasn't a preacher. He, he's not, wasn't, it was just a, a book, a, a common sense book type of book I was reading uh, about life and that. And he, I think, bounced out at me and said, he is so correct. Why would I allow some hypocrite to stand between me and God? But we're all sinners. We're all guilty of that. We find ourselves saying, well, uh, they sinned. Mine was just a mistake. One does not lose your salvation because you uh, may have, have sinned, and one doesn't lose your fellowship because you may have been running around with the wrong crowd, and one doesn't lose uh, uh, their salvation because of some sin, if you would. But when we identify ourselves, uh, who we are, what we're all about, we should change the way who we're looking to. I'm looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. And I'll have to admit to you, I haven't always done that. I found myself looking at a man. I found myself looking at a movement. I found myself looking at people instead of looking at Jesus. I look at myself and I say, boy, you know what? I want to hear that phrase one day, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And that man or that movement or those people, they won't be the ones who say that to me. It'll be Jesus Christ himself. At the end of Paul's life, he was able to say, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. And I know we, we're so humble and we're so meek and mild Christians. We don't want to talk about our rewards, but it's pretty evident in Scripture. We're going to receive rewards for the life we lived. And that verse is talking about, I don't want to lose my reward looking at the wrong person. And I know we, don't, I know we like to be humble. Oh, yeah, 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 you know, I, well... I am somebody. No, we, we, we like that. 
And but we shouldn't listen. There's a, a there's a crown for this and a crown for that. And I won't go through them this evening and a crown for things in life. But I just want to hear well done. Thou good and faithful servant, because I know I haven't done all I should. It should behoove us to be very careful not to be deceived by people. Look to yourselves that we don't lose those things. We receive our full reward. And we are to look at ourselves to make sure the things that we've gained in this Christian walk are not lost and receive our full reward. There are some things in my Christian life I would change after all these years that I wasn't taught when I was a babe in Christ. Concerning my living, concerning my looking. Number three, concerning my listening. I'm going to get very personal in the next two points here. You know, we listen to the wrong things far too much. Mark uh, 4.23 says, If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And we listen to the wrong things way too often. That is an action. To hear something is an action. If, if Andrew's in the kitchen and she's cooking us uh, 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 dinner or cleaning up after dinner or whatever may be going on, and she's in the kitchen and she'll do as we all do, even though we have a wall between us, she'll be talking to me, I'll be talking to her, uh, and I'll pretend I'm listening. Right? Anybody guilty of that? Don't wave your hand if your husband, wife is here. But I'll pretend I'm listening. If I'm not listening, that's not an action. Right? If I'm listening and hearing what she's saying, that's an action. And I feel like we're in a place today in our Christian life and our churches today that we come to church, but we're not listening. We're not picking up. We come to our scriptures maybe daily or weekly, whatever it may be you do in your life, and you come there and you read it because you feel like it's your obligation and you want to meet whatever your quota may be for that day or for the week, but are you listening to what it's saying? He that has ears to hear, let him hear. It's an action. And I would change my listening. It's an action to hear, and faith is acting upon what God has said to me. How important it is today. And Mark said unto them, Mark 4, 24, and he said unto them, Take heed what you hear and what you measure, you, you meet. It shall be measured to you, and unto you that hear shall more be given. And, and listen, uh, uh, i got to be honest with you. I've listened to things I shouldn't have listened to. And I've heard things I shouldn't have heard. And I should have been listening to God a whole lot more often. Amen. Would you be honest tonight and agree with me? Yes. Why? It's our nature. We like to scuttlebutt. Right? We, li we, like, we like to hear the story of what someone else did wrong. We like to hear someone else going to get in trouble. We, we like to hear all those things and whatever world it may be, we, we like, why? it's our nature. But I would want to change that and I would rather hear what God has to say to me through a scripture than what a man has to say about somebody else. Right. <clears throat> Look, and I'm going to get real, real practical with this. If, let's say, uh, okay, I'll, 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 I was going to try to, here's it. My old church, I used to pastor. Every now and then, we hear things about the church. We hear things about people that we know. Uh, we hear things about this and that, whatever. And uh, 
and just as time goes on, our boys still live up there, so we hear things every now and then. A, a folk or two will call us or check up, check up with us. So we hear things going on. But I got to be careful because it ain't really any of my business anymore. Why? I'm not there. I'm not in charch. I'm not, and, there, and there's not always bad things. There's good things going on. I'm so glad what's happening there, what I hear. But some of the people that used to be there or whatever, and I got to be careful that I don't let those things say, well, I want to hear more. Who can I call to fill me in on the blank? Instead of listening to God. Because I can't do anything about my old church that I used to pastor those years ago. I can't do anything about someone's church across town. I can't do anybody's church in, in this town, across the street, in this town. I can't do anything about that place. I can only affect where I'm at right here. So my listening ought to be what can help me in the place God's placed me here, not be concerned about what's going on over there, but what's happening here. Are you with me? And if you're so concerned about what's happening with someone you care about and you hear something and you don't even know them, then why don't you go talk to them and help them, encourage them to get things right? The Christian thing to do is go help somebody, not listen about what the scuttlebutt is about them. Right? If you can. So I, I know, okay, you're all real quiet right now. I understand what's going on. I'm going to move on quickly here. But Matthew 18 says if there's an issue between you and your brother, you've got to go make it right. And I'm going to say this tonight, and, and you may not like me for this, and Pastor Dean may make comment about later to me about this, but listen, I think if a man's a man and he has an issue with another man in our church or even pastor or myself or Pastor Barry, you got to come talk to us. You ought to be a man and come talk to us. Let's work it out before you get mad, frustrated, and walk out mad about something you didn't have to. And let's, get, let's, fix, let's fix the problem. Well, I just don't, you know, we don't do that anymore, do we? And I, I, won't, I won't stay there long. I'm, I'm moving on, moving on. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And, uh, but we're good at kept collecting garbage, and we're real good about spreading it. But we're real bad about trying to fix it. Let's go on. I see you all love that point so well. But number two, this one's not any better, because the next one is concerning not only my listening, but my lips. I would change some of the things I've said with my mouth. Proverbs 18 says, A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are a snare of his soul. The words of a tailbutter are his wounds, and they that go down into the inner parts of the belly. Listen, what would I do? I confess my sin. I wouldn't gossip as much as I have before. How's that? Is that any more plainer? Can I get any more plainer than that? Surely the Bible, listen, uh, just because somebody in authority or some preacher or somebody you may know may have said something about somebody, it's not our business to go be spreading that around because we heard so-and-so said this and so-and-so said that. And listen, let me ask you a question. What can you do to affect the ministry going on in California? I just picked a state. What can you do about a ministry in Texas or, or South Carolina or, or even across town? What can you do personally? Then why are we talking about garbage about our brothers and sisters in the Lord? And you don't even know the whole story. I never forget, and, and I love this man of death. Uh, he's one of our shut-ins right now, and I love him. And, and uh, we've had a number of conversations together, but I came here years ago, and uh, he found out what Bible college I went to, and he started on this thing about uh, some issue there at the church 
uh, there in Hammond in the, in the college. And I said, no, brother, I said, I love you. And I was there when all that stuff was going on. And that stuff's a flat-out lie. He backed up. And I said, you really ought not be concerned about what happens in Hammond, Indiana, but about Kannapolis, North Carolina. And I love you, but that stuff's all lies about that preacher. I'm not saying there's not stuff that didn't happen. I'm not saying about that stuff about that preacher's a lie. And you really shouldn't be spreading about it. Well, I, I, and, then, and then I kind of caught him off guard. And I did it nicely and lovingly. You know how I am. Easy to get along with. But I'm not going to let you tell lies about somebody I love and care about. You know what I'm saying? i got to be careful. And I, I, listen, surely uh, I've never asked, uh, i got to be careful what I say here. Have you ever went to a person, instead of talking about them to your neighbor, go try to help them out? The person you're talking about? You know, doing my Christian duty, I ought to do that with my lips. Trying to help. Listen, any one of us in this room tonight has the ability to fall in the sin. And our responsibility as a child of God is to go restore them if we can. Back to a relationship with Jesus Christ. But when you talk about them, you tear them down. Well, you're pretty practical. That's something I would change in my life. I've said things out of this mouth that I should never have said about something I didn't know all the details about. Surely it was years ago, though, not recently. It sure does. Listen, realize I'd rather have God help me help somebody than tear somebody down anymore. I would change that about my life. I look back and I wonder how many people I could have helped instead of helped destroy by spreading something about them. Paul says in Philippians that some indeed preach Christ even with envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. And Paul basically goes through that text there. I won't go through it this evening. But he's basically saying, are you going to preach uh, good things about Christ or bad things about people? And we got to choose to do that with our lips. What are we going to do about it? Paul says, Paul says uh, these guys, you're not preaching like you're supposed to. You should be preaching Christ. And, and I know, listen, I know, uh, i got to be careful here. Uh, we, we now have the FBI in Baptist churches. Fundamental Baptist investigators. When we go around investigating everybody in the world that we can't do anything about, what are you going to do with them? Handcuff them? Write a paper about them? Make an article about them? I'm going to let every man prove his work and keep my mouth out of it. Because I realized one day in my life, I'm not going to stand in front of God for that person. They are. Concerning my lips, I would change some things I've said. It's hard to change your thought life. And I'm working on it. (coughs) But I can change what I say. Concerning other people. Concerning my living, concerning my looking, concerning my listening, concerning my lips, then we'll get nice now and nice and gooey-nooey and we'll get out of here. Number five, concerning my learning. Concerning my learning. First <clears throat> John 2, 27, But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you all things. And it is truth 
It is no lie. And even as he hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. Listen, I'll be very practical this evening. I would spend more time in my Bible so that God could teach me his word. Thank God for a preacher. Thank God for a church that does its best to teach the word of God. But there's nothing like me personally studying the word of God. There's nothing like it to help me be who I need to be. There's nothing like it. Uh, I would spend more time studying God's word, staying alone with God and with the Holy Spirit, allow him to be the teacher that I need to be in my life. I'd spend more time in the Psalms and the Psalms of Ecclesiastes and even the Song of Solomon. And I would think about David and uh, how, <coughs> what a mighty man of God he was and about <coughs> Solomon and uh, all that he did. But yet they were still rascals. God used them to put things in the Bible. I love that about the Bible, that people are just like me, and that God would use them. I would think about how lives have been messed up in the Bible, and yet God still worked it out for his good. And I would read them and study them, and I would try my best to spend more time. And I think I have increased my time in the Word of God as I've gotten older and I've worked out schedules and different times to do things within my work schedule, maybe, or whatever I need to get accomplished, because I want to learn more about the Word of God. I haven't got all figured out yet, but I'm working on it. I'm working on it. And I look for maybe someone else to help me or a resource or something like that to help me, but I found out nothing helps me. Nothing cleans me. And I'll be real honest with you this evening. Nothing cleanses my heart out more than for me just to read Page after page after page after page after page after page. And quit trying to figure it all out. And just allow God's Spirit to speak to me about the Word. Because it's amazing how many times I'm reading back over here in Revelation, and all of a sudden God pops something up to me back in Genesis. You with me? You know what I'm talking about? If you don't know, you need to get that experience. When you're reading in Psalms about something going on in David's life, and all of a sudden uh, the Holy Spirit picks something up, hey, you got to go over here and talk to see what Paul said about that. Well, how do you get that? You get that by just reading and reading. I'm, listen, I'm all for studying. I'm all for doing the word searches. I'm all, I'm all for all that stuff. But I found out the best thing for me personally is just keep reading and reading. And listen, uh, and let me tell you something real, a good lesson here. The president of our Bible college, Dr. Evans, had a doctor's degree in history and led our college for 40 years. He would preach from, come to my church and preach for me every year. And he said this one time, and I, and I, just, I never forgot it. He said, listen, we don't know how those people pronounce their names, so don't worry about it. <laughs> we, get too far, we get too caught up on how everybody pronounced their names. You don't even pronounce your name the same as I pronounce your name. And say, we get caught up on that, some of that stuff way too much because we don't know how they pronounced it in the language they spoke it in. Don't get caught up in that. Just get caught up in the, listen, the human stories, the spiritual applications and the word of God. Don't overlook them. And I would hope in my growing older that I would want to spend more time. Well, you've been reading it for a long time. You should know it. It's exhaustive. 
you can never know it all. You can never know it all. Concerning my learning, and then lastly is this, is, is this, and this has been the one I've struggled with the most. Concerning my liberty, my liberty, and I, I've reworked this point probably five times this week try, trying to get out what, what's on my heart about this. I found the word liberty 25 times in the Bible and 15 times in the New Testament. But my definition verse for this is not the word of liberty. It's John chapter 8, verse 32. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I know many of you, your background. I know where many of you, your church, where you came from. I know many of you, what you've experienced in church. And I've been there with you. What I found out as I get older in the Lord and as I get up some of these things and let them off, these, these things that hold you down, I realize that there is great liberty in Jesus Christ. There is a freedom in the Word of God. And there's a freedom. And we've allowed maybe churches or Maybe some, uh, uh, we, and, and we're guilty of, of doing this, to be honest about it. We're guilty of allowing this to happen. We're guilty of, uh, of allowing some, some pastor or lord over us. You're guilty. If you stay there, you're guilty, right? Whatever, for whatever reason it may be, and we're guilty of, and I'm not, listen, I'm, I'm for pastoral authority. I'm for whatever the pastor says, uh, we're going to do it. And we have a pastor who doesn't lord over us. He's concerned about us. Let's carry your burden, but he doesn't lord over us. But we've got the, we have, we're at a place where a lot of times we, we were lorded over by, by the pastor. And uh, it's like you couldn't even breathe without him saying breathe. And now it's the cell phone tells you to breathe, so you breathe. And Lord help you, if you lose your cell phone, you're going to die because you can't breathe anymore. <clears throat> Thank you. Catch that, will you? And, uh, but, but anyhow, that was just perfect timing. And, uh, but anyhow, we have liberty in the Lord and yes we do have liberty to live as we please but I'll tell you this when you live in the word of God and you live with the spirit of God you'll not live like you please you understand what I'm saying but there's a liberty my sins have been paid for and you ought to quit carrying them around with you. And we're guilty of carrying that baggage around, even though it's already been paid for, and we've accepted the gift of salvation. And we've got to, listen, I want to enjoy the liberty. I've been set free. I didn't go from one bondage to another bondage, other than being a bondservant for Christ, but I didn't go from being burdened down and, and condemned to being eternally saved and still burdened down. I have a liberty to live the life God would have me to live. We're set free. I'll never again let man put me under bondage. And I think we've gone overboard about this. I won't get down to the topic. We've already talked about it a little bit today. But it's been said, I am saved by faith and faith alone. And it's been said this, faith alone saves, but faith that saves is not alone. And I do have responsibility. And I do have 
requirements that God may have put upon me as being a saved person. But I need to be careful that I don't let someone lord over me and put his burden on me because I've been delivered from that burden. I've learned to watch out. The proof of faith is I continue serving the Lord. I've learned to watch people in churches and I, I, I catch myself as an observer, not a talker, but an observer. I see things. I got a pretty good memory. And it concerns me that people who love the Lord and love the church aren't interested in Bible study. Aren't interested in coming to church tonight and hearing a message from the Word of God, not some Reese's Cup sermon. It concerns me a little about people. But there again, I'm not lording over them. It just concerns me. And I decided I can't do anything about that. But I can do something with me. The truth shall make me free. So why wouldn't you want to go to a study or go to a church that preaches the word of God so you can be free? Because it's the word of God that's going to make you free. Not whatever it is you think it may be. It doesn't even, listen, uh, it, uh, I got I to go on. Anyway, listen, we yield ourselves to him. We have liberty in the Christian life. We ought to live like it. We ought to act like it. We ought to know that our salvation is real. Real. When you leave, when you leave a conversation with somebody, let's say, of the world, do they say, there's something real about that person or that person is crazy or that person is worried or depressed. Or worried. I, 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 I try my best. And I'm, not, I'm not the outgoing person you see up here. I'm not the outgoing person that you may think I am. My wife is that person. My wife doesn't know any strangers uh, and she embarrasses me all the time. My wife would go in the bathroom on a rest area and she'd come out with a buddy every time she comes out of the bathroom. I mean, just, just something about it. I'm not that person. I'm not bringing somebody out who I just washed wash my hands with. That's not happening. <laughs> but I realized this. As a person with liberty within the, the, in the Christian life that I've been blessed with, I have a responsibility to show that to other people I come across. And that means I have to make myself speak. Make myself speak positively. Make myself be, oh, listen, uh, you get on the right topic today, anywhere you're at, you can spend 10 minutes talking to somebody. You find their, you, you find their topic, you could be there all day if you want to be there. But we need to be people who are encouraging, uh, people who are uplifting. And I have this liberty inside of me, and, and I want people to see, you know, I have something that they can have also. It's a liberty in serving Jesus Christ. Amen. Because I know the truth, and the truth has set me free. Amen. Yes. This illustration that just popped in my head, you realize what's happening in our country? The lack of truth is putting our country in bondage because it's truth that sets us free while we talk about being free. But the lack of following the truth is putting us in bondage. 
And you see exactly happen right in front of our eyes. It's happening. But I want to be a God-fearing, God-loving, God-worshiping man with humbleness in his heart. Say, God, I understand you've given me liberty because I understand the truth from the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, for the Word of God this evening. We thank you, Father, and I hope I was helpful tonight to some folks. Would there be something we would change in our lives concerning our living, concerning our looking, concerning our listening, concerning our lips, concerning our learning, and concerning our liberty that we have in you? And God, the Christian life, I feel, is in our country, it's going to be harder and harder to stand for what we are and what we believe. We are coming to a day where we're going to have to seriously take a stand. That we will be not the normal anymore, but we'll be the ones causing the trouble in the eyes of many people. But God, may we take that liberty you've given us and the truth you've given to us and be the example that we need to be. May we come clean with you and realize that we're not really better than any other person around us. And you've done some special things for us. We're crucified with you so we can live with you. We have the word of God so we can listen to you. We have the word of God that we can learn of you. We have the word of God that we can serve you with liberty with our lives. With our heads bowed this morning, I don't know, seeing if any of you would be like me and say, boy, you know, I'm not that old, but there are some things I should change. There are some things maybe I need to do differently. There is an outlook maybe in my life I need to try to focus on a different direction. And I sure want God's direction in my life. I'm going to sing a few verses of invitation or so. The altar is always open this evening if God spoke to your heart tonight. Well, let's do something about what God spoke to us about. Let's change something in our lives. Just stand on our feet this evening and we'll sing a few verses or two. Thank you for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Central Baptist Church, events, and ministries, please visit our webpage at cbckannapolis.com.